0: Hello and welcome to IndieWire's very good television podcast. I'm Liz Shannon Miller at Liz Litton on the Twitters,
1: and I'm Ben Travers at Ben T Travers on the Twitters.
0: And we are both uh, survivors of TCA 2018. Uh, we are also both survivors of a television show.
1: Yep, one we very life-threatening television show.
0: It was bad, guys. It was not a good television show. Feel bad saying it. Hey, never. We never liked to like jump up and down on a tv show it's not like something we take pleasure in i don't think do we take pleasure in that ever ben i'm trying to remember the last time i took pleasure in it
1: uh i don't think the pleasure ever overrides the pain like there's times when shows we don't like get their just rewards you know um but however we have to cover them is is not going to make up for it like i was happy to see roseanne go off the air But I wasn't happy that a bunch of people who were hard workers lost their job, nor did that happiness override the pain of covering it, so.
0: That's, I mean, that's, because that is, that is one aspect of this, of this job. It's like, when the show gets canceled, people lose their jobs, it's sad. You don't want to root for someone to lose their job, theoretically, unless they're not a good person.
1: Right. There's, there's people... Who may not deserve their jobs based on the creative output that they're, you know, giving out. But uh, most of the people working on any professional television series these days are, you know, upstanding professionals, and you know they're doing great work. So yeah. there's just a small few where it kind of breaks the camel's back.
0: And to be clear. Um a, we're talking about the show Insatiable, which just premiered on Netflix as of last Friday. You may or may not have checked it out this weekend, perhaps out of curiosity mm-hmm. at, at the very least. Uh, and we're also not saying that the people, anyone involved with Insatiable was a bad person, for the record. Like, this is a show made with a lot of good intentions. Um, the success of those intentions is another question. But the point is, we are not saying anyone involved with that show was a bad person.
1: Yeah, the series itself has kind of uh, generated a distinct critical air around it, in that usually we don't have to worry about saying those things when we're saying a show is just really, really bad. Um, but some of the early outcry against it led to uh, kind of assumed positions, and then Netflix got a little defensive saying, you know, just give it a chance, and then when people did give it a chance, nothing about the assumptions were disproven. Um, and it's been a, a pretty unanimous hatred or dismissal of the series. Like, there's not a good review of it on record so far. Um, so it's 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 oddly one of those things where, because of the content involved and because of the delicate subject matter, and again, because it does really feel like the people writing it and you know and, and building it had the best intentions. Um, you have to kind of preface by saying, "Listen, like we know you were trying, but it's also important to recognize where you fucked up. Like we can't just give it a pass because it's uh, it's trying to do the right thing. You can't you can't operate that way." So,
0: yeah, I mean, it, it it's tough too because you know. I think honestly the fa- the most one of the most fascinating things about this release is the fact that so many critics did watch the entire season which frankly I don't think a lot of us always do like but we did commit to it we did watch it and perhaps that's part of why the vitriol is so harsh because there are people who are pretty mad about the fact they watched the whole goddamn season.
1: Yep. And some of that is targeted to, you know, the very distinct professional environment we're in, in which, uh, at the TCA's, we were told very specifically, you know, it's all going to come together, um, in a way, by the end, and that didn't happen. And then part of it is just the general frustration that we always feel when you invest your time in something, and and you feel like you were robbed of that time. And that's something, you know, it's at the very least, that's something we can try to provide with these reviews we can try to make sure that people aren't going to spend you know probably about 10 hours altogether watching a very bad television show that doesn't you know reward them in the way that they want it to be rewarded and then the other side of it is trying to progress the conversation so that you can actually take something useful away from the failure like where you can where you can learn from mistakes in a way where you're like, oh, I, I can recognize that as a good quality of another show. And, you know, Liz, I know you've been kind of mulling on a list of, of series that are, you know, very body positive. Um, and, you know, there's more problems with Insatiable than just, uh, than just fat shaming and and other, uh, weight related issues. But, um, you know, it's, it's good to kind of try to steer focus towards things that, that are rewarding and enriching and, you know, getting it right, because there's so much TV out there.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest thing with Insatiable is it has this, you know, it, it, it comes out with this big message against fat shaming, but until, like, nearly halfway through the season, there's not an actual fat person on this show, and which is quasi mind-boggling like you have they, they like the main the, the main character who was formerly heavy overweight uh is wearing a fat the actor is wearing a fat suit because she's actually in real life a very thin person as we see in the big reveal um and like if like that's the biggest thing I, from my perspective is all that all that a lot of people in who who are trying who are really excited about fat positive television want is to watch people who uh, the the most important part of representation is not the idea of seeing someone who looks like you on screen it's the idea of seeing someone who looks on like you on screen and their entire life isn't defined by who they are uh, by this one quality they have like and it's a fair criticism to say lob against Dietland to some degree. Like, you know, the main character is very concerned with her weight and that's a major thrust of the series. But, you know, she is, but even, even with Dietland, like while that's a main thrust of the series, she is not, the, the character of Plum is not fully defined by that one thing. She also has interests, she has hobbies, she has friends, etc. And that's, I think, a big factor in why you know you know Insatiable doesn't work like we don't know anything about this girl before before she loses all the weight like it kind of comes out like in, in 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 trickles that she's very smart and she knows about like po- politics and pop culture um but well we it, the pop culture aspect like that is from the beginning but the point is like we know she's a smart girl who just happen to be fat, but that's not enough to like drive a show and drive a character.
1: Well, yeah. The, and you know, a few points uh, uh, related to that and that, you know, a, you know, diet land is something where my biggest criticism of it was that they didn't properly explore plum enough. It was like, I know there's a good character here and they shared enough about her um, beyond just her weight issues. Like she's a very, She's somebody who's very excited about her job. She's somebody who's very engaged with her friends. She's somebody who's very active in this kind of weird mystery that's unfolding. And, like, the mystery kind of overrid a little bit of what she was trying to do, and, and that was a problem. But, yeah, she's great. Like, she's a great character who you want to get to know more. And, the you know, uh, Patty in, in Sageball is not, because you just don't understand who she is. And... What you're saying about, you know, us understanding that she's a smart girl, that is true, but it's only true because they very explicitly say it at the beginning. Like, they say it at the beginning, like, in that the beauty coach is looking for somebody who's not an airhead who can actually answer questions properly, and he asks her, like, a pointed question about, like, social events, and she has a very good answer, and then there's never any exploration as to why she knows that or that she knows more of that stuff, or that she actually cares about that stuff. It's all circulating around either her weight or this weird madness that stems from her weight. Um, so she's kind of like a solo show version of Kate on This Is Us, where a lot of the problems that were with associated with Kate was that she was only defined by this one characteristic while these all these other characters got to do so much more. Um, and, and yeah, like what you're saying about uh, you know, representation is so important on the show. And I think that maybe we could have forgiven parts of Insatiable if the satire that they were trying to that they were trying to make work actually felt like it came from a place of knowledge and understanding where they were so sharp with their commentary that it was like, oh yeah, no, they totally get the perspective of these of the people they're trying to depict but it never felt like they did. So the fact that they didn't have those people on screen and didn't seem interested in exploring them just made it all the worse.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think, I think that's so fair. And, you know, the, the satire, the, the, the claims of satire are just, are deeply frustrating at this point. Like, it's, I, 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 I confess, I, I do not have the dex- dictionary definition of what satire is in front of me. All I know is, is that anytime I've seen anything that proclaimed it's Blank Meets Heathers, it has failed in terms of like trying to match that tone. Nothing is ever going to be Heathers ever again. I think we just all need to accept that. That includes the failed Paramount series Heathers, which, by the way, Ben, we need to find those DVDs because we have DVDs of that show, and those are the only—I feel like those are going to be worth some money, and I want to make sure we get that money. I want that money, Ben.
1: Well, I'm sure they're around here somewhere. and um, Not
0: that we would ever sell screeners, but I'm just saying they're worth some money, Ben.
1: Right. No, I, I understand the implication. Um, and I feel like what you're saying applies to the general use of satire. I feel like a lot of the times if an artist, uh, a creator, a writer, feels like somebody doesn't understand their work, then they hide behind the label of satire. They say that it's satire so that that's like a catch-all for any sort of offense that comes about and i mean satire is is you know it's it's uh it's using humor to to criticize like to 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 point out flaws like to 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 uh, expose things within whatever realm usually like topical issues which you know the show has a lot of um to, to, to lacerate them in a very specific way. Like, Veep is a, a crowning achievement of satire. It, it does this on many, many levels, and I you have to admire it for doing so because it's so specific. And the the hiding behind this word just seems like such a cop-out um, for, somebody, for a show that just doesn't have a tone and doesn't really understand what it's done wrong. And I feel like that's another reason why so many critics feel the need to just say this is what the problem is because... There's a lot of them, and it just doesn't feel like it's understood. And it's interesting to me from the Netflix side of things that, you know, when they were at the TCA's and their, you know, uh, their executive who was on hand to take questions, they were defensive about it. And, you know, they, they should be defending their own shows. They should be defending their creators. And yet at the same time, I guess the line of defense just didn't gel with reality in a way. And to me, that just speaks to the fact that I don't think it matters to them. Like I don't. I think the controversy is only good in terms of them getting attention to another one of their shows. And having one really bad season of a really bad show isn't gonna hurt Netflix at all. So they're just gonna kind of ride it out.
0: In fact, honestly, I wouldn't be shocked if <laughs> Insatiable has better numbers in its premiere weekend than a lot of other Netflix shows. Just because people want to see, is it that bad?
1: Yeah. And a few of our friends in the critical community were kicking around an idea the other day about how, um, you know, to break through in the peak TV age, you either have to be really, really good or really, really bad. And if you're on one end of the, if you're on either end of that spectrum, then people are going to talk about it. And in a way, like that's, that's, that's just another technique to break through. So who knows?
0: Yeah, it's actually interesting. Like, I feel like forget who wrote this I read it I read i read several reviews of the show because I'm not reviewing it because you reviewed it thanks for doing that Ben sorry about that um but uh I read several reviews of the show one person I, it may have been Linda Holmes mentioned that this could have been salvageable if it wasn't a series it wasn't like a 12-hour series it was a two-hour movie because I do remember like I had this very interesting reaction to the first like 10 minutes. I was kind of like the tone kind of intrigued me. I was kind of, there's, there are slack records to prove that I sent you, sent you and Han and Ben and Steve a message saying, Hey, this might not be, I'm kind I might be into this. And then I was less into it by the end of the finale, uh, the first episode, but uh, not the finale, the first episode. Uh, but the point is, oof, duh
1: yeah, I mean, i I just, yeah, I, I mean, there's so many problems, and they're they're almost right from the start. Um, i I can't get over the the whole opening on uh, I was a, an accused molester saying the victim made it up, which was almost as bad as having actually done it. like that
0: that, that line is amazing,
1: so unbelievably tone deaf that you just can't believe that it would even make the final cut, like just cut that segment out. So, The idea of kind of cutting this down enough where it would just be a two-hour movie, I think there might be enough plot to do that, but there's literally not enough examples of who the main character is for that movie to work either. So I, I, it's kind of astonishing to me to see kind of just how badly this came together. Um, And at the same time, it's almost like if you look at it out of context, um, there's ways to think. Oh, maybe this could work, and it's just not there on screen. So I, I'll be interested to see kind of how Netflix responds to this. Like you know, in a way, from a public relations standpoint, you know, if if with all these bad reviews coming out, if the numbers aren't there. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if they came out and just canceled it. They don't cancel everything, but if they just came out to be like, "Nope, you're right, it's done, we're done. But at the same time, I could see them just stretching it out and waiting and just, you know, letting this exist until they want to make a decision about it or just letting it drift into the ether because they're Netflix. We don't know what the ratings are, so there's not really a gauge for whether or not this is a quote-unquote successful show other than what the reviews say. And God knows not everybody listens to the reviews.
0: I mean, do you do you foresee a scenario where um, Netflix gives this a season two?
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah,
0: 100%. You, you um, absolutely could imagine that Insatiable gets a season two.
1: Yeah, if it gets enough numbers, um, again, I, I just think because... I, I don't think anyone has any control over Netflix other than the subscribers. So if the people actually tune in... Um, I, I think they'd renew it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I'm trying to remember the last show that had initially this much support behind it, uh, and that that didn't register so well with critics. Uh, I feel like maybe the last one was Altered Carbon.
1: Yeah, and that one got at least mixed to positive reviews. Yeah, mostly. there are there,
0: there some there are some fans of that show. I, I mean. Yeah. I mean, go, going back further, I think before we start recording, you mentioned Gypsy, which is, you know, is an example of a show where Netflix did just like pull out, pull the plug.
1: Yeah, Gypsy was canceled after one season. I think um, a key distinction to make there might be that uh, Gypsy was, it, it had to be more expensive than Insatiable. Sejapol. Insatiable has got to be pretty cheap. Um, well, they,
0: it was originally being per, being developed for the CW.
1: Right. Um, so, I mean, I, I... Like, Seven Seconds was another one that was canceled, and that one also is a little more expensive, has a little more investment behind it. Um, it got better reviews as well.
0: Then how um, dare you? Seven Seconds was a limited series. It was only ever meant to be a limited series. That's why it's competing at the Emmys as a limited series. How dare you imply that there was any, ever any plans otherwise?
1: Right. Yep. I mean, there's, I think there's like a press release saying that it was actually canceled, but, you know, Netflix would probably not acknowledge that now. I I just, I think what I can't shake, and and this is probably, like, it's not a good, it's not an apples to apples comparison, but I can't shake 13 Reasons Why Season 2. 13 Reasons Why Season 2 was met with near universal derision it still ended up with a better like metacritic score than uh than insatiable is gonna have but people really hated it and they really didn't think it should have come back and they thought it was too long there were all these reasons where they didn't need to continue it both that it was bad and that the story seemed to be unfeasible to continue as it was and they renewed it for another season and I then would think you say there were
0: 13 reasons why
1: oh god um
0: i'm a bad person i apologize
1: i think they just pointed i think they just had the numbers i think they just had the numbers and that's all that matters to them and the idea that insatiable could appeal to the same demographic as 13 reasons why although for different reasons um makes me think that if it does i don't think netflix would bail on it i think they'd try to fix it up a little bit, maybe bring somebody in or just let them do it again. I I don't know. I'm, I wouldn't bet on it getting renewed, but I can still definitely see a scenario in which it happens.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I'm in the same, which is why it's
1: so important. You don't watch it.
0: (laughs) We've we're releasing this podcast too late. We've ruined everything because you know, it, it, I bet it's this weekend, It's I bet it's this weekend's numbers that determine whether or not it gets renewed.
1: Yeah, it's always the, it's always got a, it's always the tail. Because, like, I mean, one of the things they always look at is referrals. Like, the idea that if people watch, like, it's like a theater release, you know, if, they, if people watch it on opening weekend, it'll well, so, so, keep getting,
0: it'll keep getting. Sorry, I keep interrupting you.
1: If people see it on opening weekend it'll keep being and they like it it'll keep being seen later. People will be telling their friends, "Yeah, you should check this out." And then they'll keep watching it, so then more people will watch it. Whereas if a bunch of people watch it this weekend just be like, "Wow, is it that bad?" And then they think it's that bad, then it's going to die out quick. So we'll see.
0: Great question, Mark.
1: Right. Very good. Very good way to put it, Todd.
0: <laughs> yeah. I I I really am by am the Todd dear Bojack.
1: I mean uh, I definitely dwell on death and mortality as I mean more than you do. <laughs> so that is true. That fits the dynamic.
0: And we 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 we, and we drink about the same amount I think. So hmm. Sure. Yeah. Who I don't knows? I don't
1: like what that I don't like that that says about my future, but I mean it's probably true.
0: <laughs> oh, your future as as the Bojack in in, in this partnership. Right. Right.
1: I think Todd. I think will be happy. I don't know if Bojack has happiness in his uh, future.
0: That's a really good point. But no, he at the end of I at the end of season four, he's happy. He he has a sister.
1: He's happy. Err. <laughs> I don't think he's uh, uh, like fully content by any means.
0: Can I just please share that the fact that I we managed to shift this conversation over to Bojack Horseman makes you really happy. It also makes me it makes me happy to talk with you about a show I like because uh, for the last twenty minutes we've been talking about a show that is not a fun show to talk about, or it's 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 an interesting show to talk about. I certainly bitched a lot about it yesterday and the day before and all that. Um, but yeah, well, it's, it's just, it's, just it... it's nice to talk about things we like which is probably like, wh- why we went on that crazy, that crazy tangent yesterday about how much we like Hugh Jackman and hats. You
1: know, this is just kind of a, a verbal recreation of our Slack conversation uh, while we were watching insatiable. But uh, it also goes to show kind of the spectrum that Netflix has to work with. If they need to point to something, they always have it. Like if they need to point to a great show that they've got, they've got them. Like they can point to the crown. They can point to BoJack and, you know, that's just one more reason why if they have a bad show, I don't think it dings them that much just because they have so much content. It's it's crazy how much content they have in comparison yeah. to – and and again, because they don't share the ratings, that, that wealth of content really means more than – and has less scrutiny than, you know, if a network was suffering the same fate. If this would have debuted on the CW, I don't think it would have made it the full season. So –
0: yeah, I mean, this weekend, like Netflix alone has—I'm looking at the calendar right now—they have two other shows premiering. Uh, they have a, a drama called a, a comedy drama uh, called La Casa de Flores, uh, and as well as uh, All About the Washingtons, a new comedy about uh, uh, a a a rapper whose life I'm not familiar with, but I believe uh, other people are. Uh, this is one, of my, this is one of my holes, Ben is. Uh, 90, 90s ninety nineties hip hop. I apologize for that. Fortunately both Han and uh our our boss Mike have us covered. So anytime I have a anytime we we have a gap there we can go to those those fine experts.
1: Yeah, I'm sure they have more opinions on Rev Run and his family.
0: Thank you. That was the guy's name. But yes. Uh so yeah, like what like you were saying though, like um like you were saying uh, there's no shortage of Netflix shows coming out. Netflix will bounce back from this just fine. Hopefully everyone involved with the show also kind of moves forward in an interesting way. Cause again, no ill well meant to anyone involved with the show. Like there's clearly a lot of good intentions here. It just went very awry. Yep. Yep. And with that being said, Ben, what was the best thing you watched last week?
1: Uh, the best thing I watched last week was probably Insecure Season 3.
0: Yay!
1: Um, I... wouldn't say it's an improvement on Season 2, which I thought was just spectacular. But, um, through only four episodes, uh, Issa Rae's HBO comedy makes some good choices. Like, they they, they really kind of push things forward in an interesting way. And they also continue to just get little moments, um, so charged with meaning and with resonance, uh, like whether it's like a t-shirt that she's wearing or just something she says under her breath. Um, there's just so many little moments that make that show enjoyable and reward you for paying attention to it instead of you know keeping it on in the background or something, uh, which is again something that's really valuable these days on television. Uh, so yeah, I, I really enjoyed season three. I hope um, they kind of take some more creative leaps uh, or chances in the later half of the season. But you know, it's it's still uh, a very very good television show that uh, deserves to be talked about. So that's my pick. Liz, what was the best thing you saw last week?
0: Um, I gotta note for the record we we should talk about uh, we should talk about uh, Jesus Insecure uh, at some point. I, I definitely I need to catch up with that one. Um, the best thing I watched last week was technically Better Call Saul. Um, I'm going to, that, that may become my default answer for a few weeks. If I, unless I fi- start watching things, I like more. Um, but it's so good, you guys. It's just, uh, why I don't understand, it, 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 trying to figure out how that show is so good is going to be like my life's mission at a certain level. Um, but I also want to shout out, um, I wrote this piece, uh, as you listen to this, uh, last Friday, uh, that it kind of is about, it's about the, uh, it's about the girl who plays Amma on Sharp Objects, uh, Eliza Scanlon, who's a nice young lady who is very, very good. And, uh, one thing that came up in talking with her, uh, at, at a press day a couple months ago, uh, was the fact that she had to learn how to roller skate because of a music video that Jean-Marc Vallet saw. And I had, I had known that I had, basically had had it in the transcript this whole time that it was, you know, who, 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 who the music video was for. I didn't know until last night, until the night I, I was writing it, that it was a music video directed by Hiro Murai, our good friend. Uh, so I had ended up watching that video, I think maybe for the second time that night and it was great that's such a good music video it's just like so surreal and beautiful and eerie in all these ways that I think we're all familiar with with Hiramurai so uh, I highly recommend checking out uh, the it's the video for uh, Chet Faker's Gold um, and it's just girls roller skating down a dark street and it's gonna haunt you for the rest of your days
1: (laughs) That's quite, that's quite an endorsement. Um, it's really I, good. Just thinking about you know uh, the many scenes of sharp objects in which girls rollerblade or roller skate down a dark street, uh, has piqued my interest. So have you
0: have you seen this music video?
1: No, no, no. I, I try to avoid music videos. Um,
0: they,
1: this one is they. I, I there's so many that are great. I I, I mean this only because they usually bias my interpretation of the song and i always give precedent to the song so uh, but i will i will make an exception
0: that is fascinating i didn't know that about you
1: yeah i just i i I, I can't shake some of the visuals and sometimes the visuals aren't what i want to be thinking about when i hear a song so
0: that's totally fair uh but ben what's the next thing you're looking forward to
1: uh, well, to make it up to our friends at, at Netflix, uh, since I just trashed the shit out of one of their new programs, uh, I am looking forward to Disenchantment, which Yay. is uh, Matt Groening's follow-up to Futurama and The Simpsons, his third, you know, big creative animated series. Uh, this one is going to be a little more serialized. It also stars uh, a friend of the podcast, Abby Jacobson and Eric Andre um, as voices of this kind of fantasy realm where a princess is going on adventures with her two friends, Elfo and someone else, can't remember now. Um, But anyway, I haven't watched it. I know some of the reviews are already out, and there's been kind of a positive but lukewarm response so far, and yet at the same time, from what I've seen of it and just the idea of, of Graining kind of moving into a more serialized realm that that sounds interesting to me so i'm i am excited to watch it i think there's a lot of potential there um and yeah that'll be next friday so i'm sure we'll be i'm sure there'll be a review next week and more conversations but, but yeah uh yeah. liz what about you what are you looking forward to next
0: i'm gonna i'm gonna shout out Han. uh Han apparently is really has been really enjoying uh disenchantment so that's that's worth oh, good yeah um for me, quite honestly, the next thing I'm looking forward to is catching up. Uh, so this is our first real weekend off in quite some time. And I think I have a couple of homework. I have, I have definitely one or two homework assignments. Uh, but I'm really excited to get my get my ass in gear when it comes to sharp objects. I've been a couple of episodes behind for a little while, and I don't like it. And I want to be up with the kids. I want to I see all this dry southern uh, passive aggression in, in, in action. And I'm also really excited to watch War Succession, uh, which is a show I, I've i enjoyed in the spurts I've gotten of it, and I really want to dig into it. So hopefully that's my weekend. Hopefully that's what I get to do.
1: Uh, you will be very happy, Elizabeth.
0: Yeah, I'm sure nothing nothing like unpleasant will happen in either of those shows.
1: Well, I mean, uh, sharp objects, even the unpleasantness is... Quite exciting. so.
0: That's something. And if you want to read about those shows uh, from people who've actually watched them already, uh, you can go to IndieWire.com where you'll find news, reviews, interviews, features, all the stuff you like.
1: And if you want to listen to IndieWire's uh, great other podcasts, make sure you check out Mike Schneider's Turn It On podcast, uh, Screen Talk with Eric Cohn and Ann Thompson, and of course the one, the only, the perfect Chris O'Fault's Filmmaker Toolkit Podcast.
0: Ben, that was so short. You don't want to go on for about how much you love Chris for a couple more minutes?
1: I I just, you know, I need to restock my vocabulary to really do him proper justice.
0: We'll, we'll get you a thesaurus so for, for next time so you're ready. That'd be good. Yeah. Um, you can find Ben on Twitter at Ben T. Travers.
1: And you would find Liz on Twitter at Lizlit. That's with an I and then an E
0: correct uh we will be back next week thank you guys as always so much for listening and also as always keep watching television